Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll feature Stephen Baker of the NPD Group and Daniel Arundel of Roughly Drafted Magazine to talk about Apple's sales, a shortfall, or what. We'll also hear from Nelson Houdis of NetTalk about a new internet phone solution. All this and more this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group, and we're going to explore lots of frontiers, not just Apple. But Stephen, welcome back to the show. And I wanted to get into Apple's financials, and not so much about the numbers, but more about how things are going and how they're looking in terms of the industry. And that is, the iPhone sales were less than analysts expect. And the question is here, when analysts come out with a prediction, well, we think Apple's going to sell 30 million iPhones and they sell 26, how do they come by those estimates? Well, first, I want to thank you for, for having me, Gene. It's always fun to be on your show. And we always uh, love to have you here, seriously. Man. Well, thanks. You know, I think it's a combination. Uh, people look at trends in terms of sales trends. Uh, they look at historical year-over-year growth. Certainly a lot of, especially the financial analysts, you know, have sources back in the supply chain. Uh, maybe they look at reports from companies like uh, NPD Display Search that talks about how many uh, screens are being built, you know, how many processors are being created out there. Uh, and that gives, all, gives everybody a clue as to how much is being produced. But of course, you know, at the end of the day, they're not talking about how many have been produced. They're talking about how many have been sold. That's what gets tricky. Sure, it's tricky. I want to ask you a clarification of this because I guess manufacturers do it differently. When you report that a company sold 3 million product, whatever it is, does that mean that dealers sold that many products to an end user? Does it mean that that's what they sent to the distributors? Does that mean that's how many they built? Right. NPD is a point-of-sale and consumer survey company. So when we report sales numbers, those are sales directly to an end user. Other companies use different methodologies. A lot of the you know, IDC kind of companies will use shipments in, in a lot of cases, which don't necessarily reflect how much the sales out would be. You know, sometimes there's a little more inventory in the supply chain than you want. Sometimes there's a little less. So those numbers can are a little bit more subject to fluctuation than the actual sales numbers, which, you know, really do represent a consumer or a business or anyone going into a store, climbing on a website and actually plunking some money down for something. So can we say without talking of any particular company that some companies will flood the channel or build excess product to make the figures look good? You know... 10, 15 years ago, that used to happen a lot, even maybe seven or eight years ago. But since the uh, 2008 kind of crash, recession, uh, you don't see that happening very much anymore. Uh, It requires two parties to be interested in doing that. It's not just the manufacturer's call the retailer where the the end seller has to agree to that as well and you know given the cost of money and the scrutiny that a lot of companies balance sheets are under there's not a lot of 
retailers that I know of that are willing to take lots of excess inventory for almost any reason, especially in a cut selling category like phones where there's a lot of new products that come out on a pretty consistent basis. You don't want to be stuck with something that is not the latest and greatest anymore. I think the reason I mentioned that is, for example, the HP touchpad. Reportedly, they ship a lot of product without any guarantee that stuff would be sold. And of yeah, course, but that, end, you know, that's a different story, sure. though, because that was the initial launch of the product, and they certainly had high hopes that the product was going to be sold, and the retailers all believed that as well, that it was going to be a really hot-selling product. You can't really stuff the channel with a brand-new product. It's more of how it does on a longer-term basis of product get distributed. So in that case, maybe they were a little too optimistic. Yes. You have to make a best guess when you launch a product. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And when you don't have a lot of history, you know, you have to go by your gut and, you know, everybody's gut was wrong there. All right. So let's look at Apple's situation. Now, Apple, if you look at them, they keep a very small channel inventory. That's the expertise of Tim Cook that he knows to build so many products. And at worst, they'll be behind because a product has unprecedented demand and they just can't build enough. But very rarely, if ever, will they have lots of unsold products sitting around. Well, yes. I mean, you have to understand that they have a very different inventory model than a company that is, you know, purely selling through third parties. So, Anytime when Apple is on their call and they talk about channel inventory, that is true channel inventory. That's product that's at a Dixon's or Best Buy or Walmart sitting in their back rooms or on their shelves. And they typically talk about having four to six weeks of inventory out there, which is pretty standard amounts of inventory. The place where they can do some interesting things is because so much of their sales is direct. And in that case, in a lot of ways, they can and, you know, help reduce their costs by having less inventory available. But even there, you know, they have to support their stores. And there's clearly plenty of inventory there. They just have a pretty quick ship supply chain that's able to satisfy that, as opposed to having to stock the inventory in a lot of cases like you do when you have a big distribution channel. Okay, so let's look at the situation with the iPhone, where the projections weren't quite there. One explanation I gather, and this is beyond what you would be covering, is the financial situation in Europe, where sales are flat. And we're seeing a lot of companies who have European divisions. We see, for example, auto sales are really down the dump. So can we accept that is a very difficult situation selling any kind of tech gear in Europe? Absolutely. You know, I mean, you can also make the argument on the other hand that everybody, including Apple, should probably be, you know, pulling back and, you know, cutting their inventories and, you know, cutting what's going on in Europe given the difficult economies over there. So, yeah, you know, they may have been surprised. But again, you know, as you mentioned, given the fact that they've got a pretty solid supply chain, I would suspect that the impact to them is a lot less than it will be to other people because they can start cutting back. They build less. And they still had positive sales in Europe, so it's not like uh, sales numbers fell off the cliff for them. Just wasn't as good as some people expected. The other is the anticipation fact, and this is where uh, maybe Apple is creating self-fulfilling prophecies or whatever. But every time we get close to the release of a new product, especially an iPhone or an iPad particularly now, we get more and more heavy-duty speculation about what the next model is going to be. I can't go anywhere and not read, for example, about the iPhone 5 or whatever it's going to be called. 
going to be out this fall, I guess, or September, October is what people are guessing. But now I'm in the situation of a regular customer, and maybe in the past they didn't read the Mac Rumor sites or Apple Insider or any of those sites, but now the mainstream media is doing the same thing. Look, I don't believe any of that, okay? Consumers haven't changed all that much. If somebody needs a new phone, they're going to go buy a new phone. Actually, six months out of a product launch. I have a lot of trouble believing that consumers are that obsessive about looking at what the latest and greatest and the next product in that category is that's coming out. Is there a little bit of a delay there? Yeah, maybe a little bit, but it's very hard to see that six months ahead of a rumored product launch that you would see the level of stalling that people claim to be seeing in the marketplace. Stephen, you're saying six months. I'm thinking, no, we're in July now. And we figure the June quarter, it's going to be May or June. You're talking three or four months out at the most. Okay. Is that too much still? That That's way too much. Okay. Six months would take you back to April, right? Which is the whole quarter. Right. Again, you know, I've been working retail and looking at this stuff for 25 years. I don't believe consumers' habits have changed that much over the past 25 years that that would delay people's purchase of something they need or something they want for that period of time to wait for something that they don't even know what it is. They don't know if it's going to be better. They don't know if it's going to be different, if they're going to like it more or like it less. Okay, so maybe that's spin. We'll get into more of that in a moment. Okay, we have, sure. We have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. You know, during the summer, it seems like just about everyone is on a different schedule. Yeah, vacations, shorter days, people are working remotely. So meeting all your clients and colleagues in person can be, well, impossible. And that's why I recommend go to meeting with HD Faces. It lets you meet face-to-face no matter where you are this summer. With GoToMeeting by Citrix, it takes just a webcam and a click to collaborate in a group HD video. You can even join from an iPad. It's so easy to use. iPad users just download the free GoToMeeting app to join. And take it from me, this is an excellent product. And my listeners can try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. Don't wait. For this special offer, visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, use the promo code PODCAST. Be sure to use the promo code PODCAST at GoToMeeting.com. Take it from me. Go to meeting with HD Faces Just Works. Hi, Jason Lewis here. Anybody who's been listening to my program knows how shaky the U.S. economy is right now. Will we have a V-shaped recovery or will it be a W-shaped one where the nation slips back into recession? Of course, if you think that Washington can spend or inflate its way out of a downturn, you've got nothing to worry about. But as you know, I have my doubts. So let me tell you about gold. Now, as my friend Ted Anderson from Midas Resources likes to say, gold, like all commodity markets, fluctuates in price and you could lose money. But it has never been worth zero. Give it some thought. And if you're interested in converting your IRA to gold or would like to actually have it in your possession, call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237. The U.S. dollar was once backed by gold, but has since lost 90% of its value. And if things don't change, I'm afraid the trend will continue. Call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237 for gold and tell them Jason Lewis sent you. 
For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to fit your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at Utopia Silver. That's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver. UtopiaSilver.com or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338. UtopiaSilver.com. Taking back America's health care one American at a time. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. The question I asked here was, does anticipation reduce demand for an existing product? And as Stephen was pointing out, you know, we're talking about four to six months before a product is expected, and the average customer doesn't play inside baseball. They're not tuned in to the Mac rumor sites. And even if the tech media in general or the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times speaks about the next iPhone, people don't necessarily have it on their radar. And I think the only consideration that might reverse that is the fact that, you know, when you buy a new smartphone, you're committing to a two-year contract. It's not just buying a product now and thinking that, you know, in six months I'll buy another. It is, I buy an iPhone today in July. I know that I should expect to keep that until July of 2014. Does that make a difference? Yeah, and in fact, I would say that to me, that's an argument against the idea that there's huge amounts of people waiting. I mean, I haven't done all the numbers to see how many people are coming on or off contract or whatever, but given the fact that there's a substantial penalty if you want to upgrade ahead of when your contract ends, most consumers are not willing to absorb that penalty. Sure, but on the other hand, Stephen, if my contract is up in May, June, or July, nothing stops me from just going on month to month, keeping the same phone and waiting till I see something I like. 
I don't and have yet, to renew then. And my argument would be historically that's probably what's always happened. So I don't know what's necessarily all that different now. And again, you'd have to look at the specifics of how many did they sell two years ago. And, you know, so you'd have to look at a lot more details. The reason I raise that is because of what Tim Cook said, which is possibly corporate spin, that some level of the holdback in iPhone sales may be because of anticipation of a future and, product. And, and nobody's disagreeing with some level. Clearly, there, there's always going to be some level of holdback. The question is, is holdback so much that it kind of destroys the sales of a product for four or six months beforehand? And, I, you know, again, I just don't think that's necessarily the case. And, in fact, if you actually look at what Apple says was going to happen, as opposed to what all the analysts, the financial analysts all said, Apple's numbers were pretty close to what actually they reported this time, as opposed to, you know, other periods where they may have gone way beyond that. So I kind of default to the fact that they sort of know what's going on, that they have a pretty good read as to the number of products on contract or off contract and where things are coming from. And I think that I, I usually feel pretty good about what they say as being, you know, at a minimum what they expect to happen. You know, like almost any good company today, you plan for not the best case scenario, but something certainly below that because, again, the cost of being wrong in this kind of an economy and with skittishness on Wall Street are pretty high. So it's more important than to meet your guidance. Now, do you have the figures in front of you how the guidance differed from the actual sales? I don't, but my understand my recollection is that they were pretty close to what their guidance was. So therefore Apple did nothing wrong, but this is a matter of psychology. It's a matter of what the analysts say versus what the company says. And we have to think though in general the company sorta of should have known what they did and if Apple does what they promise well, that has to count for something, but then I will Yeah, won't. you know, I, I'm not going to comment on the what Wall Street should or shouldn't expect or, you know, how they should fairly view or fairly value different companies. What it is is what it is, and one expects that as time goes on, after the initial rush up or down, the stock price will become more realistic as people look at the numbers, look at the potential, look what Apple said, and see if they could actually approach a step of realism. You know, I mean, the best indicator to me is not Wall Street. It's really, you know, how well are they running the company? You know, how many are they really selling and how well are they doing? I mean, they grew 20-something percent from last year in, in phones and 80-something percent in iPads. And, you know, if you look around the rest of the consumer electronics industry, you know, everyone else basically is negative and you know, I think that accounts to me for a lot more than, you know, some kind of irrational expectations that might be coming out of people on Wall Street. Now, looking at the overall PC industry, and we look at Mac sales, and Apple has tended to exceed that of most of the PC industry worldwide, which supposedly they did this time. And looking at the USA, we see that most PC companies are basically experience a downturn in sales. Apple was barely positive with Mac sales, and a lot of that is based on possibly the later introduction in the quarter of the new Macs. Now, is that what Apple is forced to do? They've got to get those new Macs out because last year's model people just won't buy? Well, I mean, sometimes... <laughs> 
you're you're a little late, and I think you know they they typically have been on a twelve month cadence, and this was more like a fourteen or fifteen month cadence. I think more than just the difficult comparisons that they had in the first part of the quarter, which they certainly had, and there's no question about that. I think that there is likely. And, you know, they've said it. I think it's much more about, you know, some of the initial cannibalizations that we're seeing from the iPad into MacBooks as well as, you know, Windows products as well. And, you know, we think, you know, because the Windows market has been even weaker in in most cases, that we are starting to see some of that iPad effect really starting to hit the computer market in general. So, Yeah, they were weak. Some of it was because the new MacBooks came out later than the um, than they had in the previous year. But you know they've been pretty weak, better than the rest of the market, but still weak for most of 2012. So you know I think they're seeing the same effects from the iPad and from the economy as the rest of the computer market is, but just not to the same extent. What about the Windows 8 factor? Is there a Windows 8 factor at all? Does anyone care? I mean, right now, if you buy a new PC with Windows 7, I think it's 14.99 or right. something. Trivial. I think we just covered that in the iPhone discussion. There isn't anybody who wants to buy a Windows notebook now who's saying, I'm not going to buy one because there's new stuff coming out the end of October. Okay, so let's look at the situation with PCs. The state of the economy, is it that unless they're going to buy an iPad, that they're not buying a new PC because there's no justification for that, particularly if you don't really care about the operating system because so many businesses are using still Windows 7 or even Windows XP. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like I said, you know, we're seeing some what we think is maybe not cannibalization, but certainly, you know, there's a huge number of consumers who now have iPads. Uh, Our last survey, uh, 21% of U.S. households had an iPad. And while it may be time for someone to buy a new notebook or a new uh, Windows desktop, we think that there are people who are delaying, partly because of the economy, but partly because maybe they just bought this iPad or they bought it recently and they think that you know, it serves a lot of the needs that they have, and the other notebook they have still is working pretty well, still does most of what they need it to do. And in combination, those two uh, products really do satisfy their computing device needs. We'll go into um, this and more and a lot of other stuff. With Stephen Baker of the NPD Group, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio. DreamHost.com radio. 
Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Prices are for base buildings only and may not be available in some areas. This is an alert. If your business or church is building next year, you're about to pay more than you should. This could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. So call General Steel now for the quality and the price in a pre-engineered steel building that you just can't beat. That's right. General Steel can save you thousands of dollars with a pre-engineered steel building designed for your business or church. What does it mean? How about a 50 by 100 foot building for under $30,000? Don't pay thousands more than you should without calling General Steel first. Call 898 Steel today and save as much as half the cost and time of conventional construction. Don't let rising steel prices put your project in jeopardy. Call now to lock in your price for three months. Call 866-99-STEEL. That's 866-997-8335. Don't spend thousands of dollars more than you should. Call 866-99-STEEL today. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. We've all heard the phrase, don't judge a book by its cover. A wise saying for sure. Now apply that wisdom to nutrition. Don't judge milk by the animal. Camel milk, the best-kept health secret ever. See for yourself at CamelMilkForSale.com and look for the Summer Camel Milk Special. Loaded with health benefits far superior to other milk, Camel Milk has antibacterial, antiviral, and anti-tumor properties, is rich in B vitamins, and is three times higher in vitamin C than cow's milk, ten times higher in iron. Plus, it contains 52 units of insulin-like proteins per liter, effectively lowering blood sugar levels. Many of our members testified that drinking Camel Milk reversed diabetes and greatly improved autism. Camel milk comes fresh or frozen from your trusted local family farm, shipped on dry ice to preserve freshness. Go to CamelMilkForSale.com now and look under products and pricing for the summer special with free bonus pints. That's CamelMilkForSale.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
With Stephen Baker of the NPD Group, I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. We were looking, first of all, on the perceived shortfall of iPhone sales, which were nonetheless, what, 28% over last year, looking at the issues in the PC industry, whether a lot of people there are just buying iPads. And we're still seeing, even now, that the iPad owns that market. Is it going to be another iPod situation in the making where nobody came close? This is particularly true if Apple, as expected by some, gets into the market with a smaller iPad. Yeah, I think, you know, if you look at where Apple is in the iPad market and you compare it to the iPod market, and I think, you know, Tim Cook had a fair comment. There's really not a tablet market right now. There's an iPad market, and then there's a market for everything else. So, you know, and I think you need to look at that the same way we would look at the iPod market, which is at this point, it's going to be pretty hard for anybody to dislodge Apple's 50 to 60% market share. And, you know, I think a lot of people who look at this, who talk about other companies' market shares versus Apple are not analyzing the category properly because once a company gets over that 50-60% market share, very rarely do they get dislodged unless something terrible happens to them. So what the other rest of the market right now at least is fighting over is the other 40%. So if I have 20% of the that market, you know, that's a pretty good slice of that other 40%. If I'm coming in I can't worry about the iPad because I probably can do very little to change the direction of that part of the marketplace. I have to compete against everybody else who is in that other segment of the marketplace. And we're looking so, at the other segment of the marketplace being mostly the smaller tablets then, right? Well, I mean, to date, the things that have been most successful have been the Kindle Fire, and you know, it seems like the Nexus 7 is going to do pretty well. But that's pretty much the other segment of the market that's been relatively successful. You know, most of the other Android products have not done very well. Uh, you know, when we haven't really seen a, um, a Windows tablet market show up yet. Does Microsoft understand any of this? Because Microsoft seems to think that everything is Windows. If you Microsoft look at the understands every bit of this. I think it's all a difference of philosophy. So for Google and for Apple... The tablet is, and you know, this is oversimplifying, is a big phone, right? It's, it uses a phone operating system. They think about it more in that regard, whereas Microsoft comes at looking at tablets as computing devices and part of the ecosystem that says tablets and notebooks are much more similar together than tablets and phones are. Okay, so basically if we look at their philosophy then, the Surface is primarily a slim PC. You know, I think, I think if you ask Microsoft, they view it as computing devices. You know, most tablets that appear to, it appears that most tablets that come out with Windows 8 are going to be very good at both touch and being hooked up to a keyboard and being used with the mouse. And that's kind of the direction that they've gone with Windows 8. And again, I think that fits their philosophy that they see that as those two markets, the notebook market and the tablet, non-iPad market, as coming together to be a computing device market as opposed to a 
mobile device market, although that's obviously not the right kind of phrasing, but, you know, they're looking at those two markets as being adjacent and not the phone and the tablet market as being adjacent. So to Microsoft, it's PC Plus. To Apple, it's post-PC, and I gather that Google feels the same. But the marketplace is going to tell us. Uh, certainly over the next year or so, we're going to see whether Windows 8 gets a chunk of the market, whether the Surface, assuming it appears as scheduled, will get a reasonable amount of sales. But looking at the downsides here, and we have to look at Apple's downsides too, which is why I want to get back to the small iPad rumor. If Windows 8 doesn't do for Microsoft, what they hope it'll do? Is there a second act from Microsoft, a plan B? Probably not. I mean, you know, uh, Windows is their flagship product, and you know, they're, they're going to market with their best. You know, I think, uh, you know, historically, you know, for the most part, that's been a pretty successful strategy for them. You know, Vista kind of notwithstanding, but pretty much all the rest of their products that, that has been focused on that has done pretty well and been pretty well received. And, you know, here's the point I would always make about where Microsoft is. So if Microsoft didn't move Windows 8, aggressively towards this hybrid marketplace of computing devices, they would be taking a rash of grief from the marketplace that they weren't recognizing the growth in touch and the growth in these smaller screen tablet-like, you know, lighter computing devices, and they needed to have a strategy to attach to that. So the argument that Windows 8 is not a good platform for both of those, again, I think it's kind of unfair because they're actually thinking ahead and saying, you know, I look at Windows 8, I look at my best product, I have to evolve, I have to change. At some point, that's going to be disruptive. We're going to be disruptive now to both our customers and maybe to the marketplace. But when we look out at the future and we look out the landscape of computing and computing devices, we have to move in this direction. And we, you know, can't necessarily be the one who's always supporting everything that came for 20 years before. All right. Obviously, it's a company making a bet on the future. They will be right or they will be wrong. Going back to Apple, and we're looking at the other 40% of the sales that the iPad doesn't get. And there are reports, and we can't confirm anything, and you won't be in a position to confirm what Apple might be doing. But do you think it makes sense for Apple to produce a smaller iPad, one for people who can't afford $399 for the iPad 2, the other that there is a demand for smaller tablets for one reason or another? Uh, I think that Apple is one of the most competitive companies on Earth. Apple wants to win. Um, and I think just like in the iPod market, uh, as their flagship products gain share and gain traction, they look out and say, what's the next customer segment that we have to offer products to? And um, that is typically someone who's looking for you know, a lower-cost device. Now, I think, again, you know, they, they talked about this a little bit on their call yesterday about how um, you know, they aren't necessarily willing to compromise uh, but they want to give you a great 
solution no matter what the form factor of the device is. And I think that was how they've approached, they approached the iPod market. And to some extent, that's how they've approached leaving out older iPhones to be able to attract and attach to um, different demographics who weren't willing to spend 200 or $400 on an iPhone. It makes perfect sense that as the iPad becomes more and more penetrated, and we just talked about 21% of households having an iPad at this point, um, that they need to be looking for new opportunities. Assuming that they can do a smaller iPad at a $299, $349 kind of price point, that it can make their margin requirements. They think it's a product that reflects the quality and the values that Apple has. I think it's a it's a given that that's something they're going to do. Now, the projections here are kind of interesting because we remember the statement that Steve Jobs made, that on the smaller tablets you need sandpaper. Now, bear in mind, most of those 7-inch tablets, or all of them, are widescreen aspect ratios, whereas the iPad 9.7 inches is a standard definition for three aspect ratio. So someone scaled this down to 7.85 inches, saying that would give you 66% of the screen real estate of the full-size iPad. So it still retains a good user experience, makes it smaller, which has advantages of portability and, of course, price. We'll get into more of this in a moment. With Stephen Baker of the NPD Group, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Every day, nearly 3,000 families enter into foreclosure and face losing their home. If you're currently behind on your mortgage, you can still avoid foreclosure. You can save your home, but you need to act now. We're Allied State Foreclosure Services. We're experts in saving homes from foreclosure. With just one phone call to us, you can stop the foreclosure process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, and save your home. Call now. The call is free with no obligation. 1-800-597-8843. Call us if you've been threatened with foreclosure, denied loan modification, or missed a payment on your mortgage. If you've been a victim of a predatory loan or are upside down on your mortgage, even if you've lost your job and you're worried about losing your home, don't wait. Call us now and let us help you save your home. 
You've worked hard to build a life with your family. Let us help you keep your home. Call now before it's too late. 1-800-597-8843. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. We all know there are secrets behind closed doors in every relationship, and one of the biggest is that men are losing libido or sexual desire, especially if you're a man over 40. The problem could be declining testosterone levels. Remember, it's testosterone that makes a man a man in every way. That's why we created TGen. TGen is an all-natural formula with ingredients proven to boost your own testosterone. Optimum testosterone levels mean better mood, energy, and of course, better sex life. Here's Gina from California. My husband tried one month of TGen, and we both noticed his desire increased right away. He felt the difference in his energy level. I certainly liked the other effects it had on him. Great product. And now for the first time, you can try TGen absolutely free for 30 days. Just pay shipping today and see the incredible results for yourself. Call 800-822-5941. 800-822-5941. TGen works, or you simply don't pay. For your 30-day free trial, call 800-822-5941. 800-822-5941. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. So I was speculating there with Stephen Baker of the NPD group, and he understands we don't commit him to anything because nobody knows outside of Apple what they're going to do. We can speculate. So with the frame I made, and you're talking about a $299, say, purchase price for a small iPad, does that kind of form factor seem to make logical sense because it's still got the standard definition aspect ratio and a pretty good amount of screen real estate? Uh, like I said, as long as they can get it into a uh, form factor and a package that they're satisfied, doesn't compromise their quality and the user experience, then um, I think it's a given that they come out with something at those kind of price points. Okay, we're going to have to see how that works. And if it happens, I guess it'll happen this fall. That's what they're expecting. Or maybe it won't, because Apple is Apple. What about the... Apple TV initiative, the hobby, and we see that the Apple TV sales are getting fairly decent, you know, as it goes, you know, one point some odd million in the last quarter, four million, I guess, for the first half of the year. So you assume more of those devices are sold by Christmas. Apple could move another 10, 12 million this year, maybe whatever. The point is here, is there an end game that takes this to a full TV or does Apple just enhance the Apple TV set-top box? 
you know, that's a, <laughs> that's a loaded question. I think um, if you look at the environment for getting video to your television uh, through the Internet, that that is growing by leaps and bounds. Uh, certainly more and more of the TV com- manufacturers are really, you know, committed to smart televisions, especially in the larger sizes. Um, you know, it's something on the order of 40%, I believe, at this point, of larger screen TVs are smart, and that number is only going to go up. You know, we see millions of Blu-ray players sold, and those, every single one of those is smart. There is customer demand for having a device either integrated or under your TV that allows you to get Netflix or Hulu or MLB or some other kind of, uh, you know, internet-based video stream onto your big screen television. You know, Apple's not stupid. They see that trend. They see it in the Apple TV numbers. Uh, they're certainly part of that. You know, whether that translates into a reason to do a full-blown television, you know, I think there's still some room for doubt as to whether they really need to do that to date. While the uptick has been, you know, fairly decent, you know, we're not seeing every single person going out to buy a big-screen TV demanding, you know, connectivity or all of them using it. Uh, it's a slow, steady progress. You know, it adds significant amount of cost to a product that tends to sit in people's homes for a long time. TV replacement, you know, is, is a lot longer than PC or tablet or phone replacement cycles. So I think there's opportunity there for them. But it's not the same kind of market as they've traditionally been in, and I think they are right to be wary and slow about going after that opportunity. And they're not going to let some critic somewhere say, you must do that. Apple will do what works for Apple. But looking at these features of all these TVs, we had 3D on the high end moving down to the cheaper TVs. Everything is a connected TV. Are people using all those extra features, or do they just turn it on and do what they do? Well, you know, while TVs aren't PCs, they have turned into a technology product over the years. And if you want to sell a $1,200 or a $1,500 television, um, typically there's a checklist of features that consumers want, and they recognize that they should have a connected television, that it should probably be 3D doesn't mean they're going to watch movies in 3D or the Olympics in 3D. doesn't mean they're going to connect that TV up right away. But, you know, just like we've always seen in, in PCs and, and other products, people, you know, future-proof the device. And it's especially important in a big-screen television that, like I said, you know, doesn't get replaced all that often. So makes perfect sense for consumers to be buying those products and see them, uh, products with those features, and see them as being valuable. You know, the uptake obviously hasn't been quite as strong as the number of products that are purchased with those features. Now, if I'm on a budget, I look at this and say I have a 2008, 2009 TV with very limited web features. Now, the picture of the 2012 TV is going to be a little better, but not that much better. I've seen the stores and you could look at all the specs not that much better i can buy an apple tv for 99 dollars and get the internet connectivity 3b might be a hard sell that's another consideration right there 
that another way of doing it is rather than buy the new TV set today because you only have one three, four years old, you buy the accessory to do what you want and you don't worry about 3D till later. That's certainly what we think is, is happening uh, right now, whether it's through Blu-ray players, Roku, so obviously selling lots and lots of boxes. Uh, Sony is in that business, a few others. So again, you know, we're seeing consumers do a lot, and you know, let's not ignore products like the Xbox, which is the number one way that people get video to their television, or the computer, where it's a pretty easy, you know, HDMI hookup or, uh, you know, a Wi-Fi connection through your notebook and a dongle on your television. So there's lots of ways people can get video to their television without it necessarily being integrated directly into the television. And again, that's why I think Apple is being cautious and looking at how they can differentiate and what kind of value they can bring to that market. And we look, for example, of Mountain Lion, which adds AirPlay mirroring, which is you see what's on your computer desktop on your flat panel TV with an Apple TV. It doesn't work on all Macs because you have to have the right video hardware, but this is one way of integrating all its products with the Apple TV and making the Apple TV more of an essential appliance for your iPad, your iPhone, now your Mac. Uh, you know, everything's about a platform today. Uh, it's a great way to do those things. You know, certainly Microsoft's coming out with Smart Glass, which is going to integrate products like a Windows Phone and a Windows Notebook and an Xbox around your television as well. Um, Google has Google TV. Uh, the platform wars don't just mean you know, fighting about phones, they really do mean fighting about uh, home connectivity as well as, you know, how you connect and what kind of devices you have outside the home. Is there an end game here? Must it eventually all be in a single TV? The TV does everything except maybe for the gaming console and the Blu-ray player. You know, traditionally, consumers have been reluctant again, as I said, because they, they have always kept TVs for a long time. They've been reluctant to see these kind of features integrated into their televisions because they recognize that, you know, features can change and, you know, a TV is a piece of hardware and maybe it's not upgradable and they're not willing to spend a lot of money on a new TV every two years. So boxes and devices that hook up to your TV can add a lot of functionality. Um, for the TV brands, on the one hand, they want to put that functionality in there to drive ASPs higher and maybe to give people a little bit better integrated experience. On the other hand, in TVs, we see an awful lot of uh, TV manufacturers looking at how they can take cutting-edge features out of bigger screen televisions to get them to be at price points that will drive more consumers in. So. While some TVs are getting thinner, other TVs are getting fatter. While some TVs are getting bigger, we're seeing, you know, some water screen sizes that enable the TV manufacturers to get to new price points to be able to try to increase their volumes. So uh, it's an interesting uh, piece of the market, but again, I think it's all driven by how well you can get the consumer to believe that their TV is a technology product and what they really need is to be able to, um, you know, connect it to all the other devices in their home and that ongoing battle these days. The other battle, of course, with the set-top boxes like an Apple TV, a Roku, or a Google TV is the cable and satellite provider. So they've got their DVR, they've got their connected home features integrated to their set-top box. Does a company like 
Apple or Microsoft, do they find it possible to work with the existing providers to integrate their interfaces so they can give people fewer boxes? Microsoft certainly has been doing that. They've been positioning the Xbox as a set-top box with AT&T, for example. You know, you could certainly see that coming, but the distributors, the NSOs like Comcast or Cox are, are pretty, you know, have a pretty good business model and they're not willing to just give up all the value that they think they bring to the marketplace to give it to the internet providers or to the, you know, box makers. So there's a lot of controversy and fighting around who's going to own the interface and who owns the customer but you know at least right now the guy who has the credit card that gets a bill every month is tends to be the distributor and that's a relationship that's very difficult to dislodge we have stephen baker of the npd group for one more segment on the tech night how live America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right. Every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. The man who predicted the fall of communism is now predicting the fall of capitalism. He's dined with the Rockefellers, hung out with the Clintons, banged heads with the Beltway, and inspired companies, movements, and empires that have brought forth revolutionary change. He sat shoulder to shoulder with figures like George Bush Sr., Steve Forbes, Margaret Thatcher, and Boris Yeltsin, to name but a few. And his volume of work set out his groundbreaking financial newsletter, Strategic Investment, was so far ahead of its time, it helped transform not just the fates and fortunes of thousands of investors, but also the fates and fortunes of entire nations for the first time in 17 years he's back once again with his first controversial video presentation go to fallofcapitalism.com to watch him reveal a landmark development which he believes will set off the most violent economic reversal in history one that carries the power to bring down the entire capitalist system go to fallofcapitalism.com to watch his controversial video before the powers that be wipe it from the internet again it's www.fallofcapitalism.com Welcome back to the Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group for one more segment on the Tech Night Out Live. I just want to talk, before we move to other products here about TV, 3D. 3D doesn't seem to have taken off as well, The number of people in the movie theaters who go to the 3D version of a film has gone down compared to, for example, Avatar. You had to see it in 3D. For the Avengers, a major box office sensation, 
Not so many. Not as many. I think half as many, according to the numbers I read. Obviously, with The Dark Knight Rises, Christopher Nolan says he doesn't believe in 3D. He doesn't know anybody who likes 3D, so he chose not to film it in 3D. Now, it might be, of course, one artist versus another artist, but are we seeing that 3D is losing some? Well, like I said, you know, remains a checklist item on large screen televisions. Uh, about 25% of all the TVs that get sold over 40 inches in the U.S. have 3D. We haven't really seen that number go down any. So, again, you know, I'm not a content expert. Clearly, there's not a lot of uh, content that's going on out there, and it's been a tough battle to get more 3D content. But devices are there. Uh, you know, more and more the install base continues to grow. And at some point, I think you will see some smart distributors find ways to add value through 3D and take advantage of the install base that's out there. Just having 3D standard on anything but the cheapest models forces a larger customer base, ultimately. But you still have to get the glasses. Absolutely. Sure, you know, uh, every survey everybody's done, including us, says people don't like glasses. You know, we're, we're in the early stages. That, that's certainly a turnoff. But again, you know, the fact of the matter is that there's an awful lot of TVs out there that are 3D capable. And at some point, somebody's going to want to try to take advantage of that if they see a business there. If they don't, then, you know, things like glasses free or passive that doesn't really need, you know, expensive glasses will either continue to grow or it'll be a feature that will die off in a few years as being something that adds unnecessary costs to the market for very little gain. Well, if they can reach a point where the cost of making the chips for 3D TV is at the vanishing point of difference, it'll just be another feature that people may or may not use. That's true. Looking at other trends in the tech industry, other than tablets, smartphones, any hot products or trends on the horizon <laughs> that we could look at? Yeah, in the from, you know, from the, in the market, they'd say, you know, they wish, right? There, there really aren't a lot of, you know, huge categories these days that are doing real well, but I'll give you a, a couple that are certainly performing above, you know, where we see the market. Uh, the first is headphones. Uh, especially expensive headphones, uh, that market continues to grow exponentially in the $99 and above segments especially. There are more and more brands out there. More and more retailers are spending more and more precious shelf space to market those kind of products, and that's an area of you know just tremendous growth. Those set-top boxes we talked about earlier, products like the Roku and Apple TV, continue to grow as consumers see a lot of interest in products like that. And the other categories that we see growing tend to be things like accessories, um, certainly for tablets, for cell phones, uh, those kind of product categories are doing very well. And then from a hardware perspective, I think the other big growth category right now remains the digital SLR cameras and the mirrorless hybrid kind of products. Um, we see those continuing to grow, and of course that's a real interesting phenomenon given the fact that those are pretty much on an average price basis, the most expensive consumer electronics devices that we track. So there's some areas of, uh, of goodness, but you know, unfortunately the challenges these days seem to be outweighing that. Now when it comes to things like cameras, you talk about digital SLR, and we're talking about really high-quality cameras. 
Do you think the low to mid end of the market is mostly these days taken up by smartphones because they take pretty decent pictures, the best ones? Well, you know, certainly we're seeing, you know, pretty pretty significant double-digit declines in the basic compact camera market. But let me give you a little bit of a nuance there, which is that we don't necessarily see the low end of that compact camera market declining. It's relatively stable, the under $100 market, where there's certainly a lot of people who are looking for a very low-cost kind of a camera. Maybe they don't have a smartphone. Maybe it's for a child, et cetera, those products. And then even in the compact camera market, the long zoom cameras that are thin, around $300 or so, those kind of products are also growing. Those can't be replaced by a uh, smartphone, at least not yet, since I I really haven't seen any smartphones where the lens is going to give you that level of uh, zoom on it. So there's definitely some niches around the the standard camera market that are are doing okay, Uh, but the, the middle like a whole bunch of other categories, camcorders, GPS, uh, some other categories, are really feeling the effects of the growth of the smartphone market. Let's look, for example, at Flip Video. Now, Cisco buys the company for, what, hundreds of millions of dollars, and it seemed to be something cheap, fairly decent quality camcorder, plugs directly into your Mac or PC to grab off the pictures. Was that killed by the smartphones? You know, looking back on it, I guess you would probably say partially, certainly, um, the fact that smartphone video got really good really fast uh, made it hard to justify carrying a product that had video quality that was relatively similar to what you get on your smartphone carrying those kind of products around. Um, hasn't changed. You know, the interesting part of those is that there's a lot more video now than there ever was before, and I think it's more a question of how do you develop products and deliver devices that access the fact that consumers are a lot more interested in video today than they ever were before. I mean, a big reason why people buy digital SLR cameras isn't just because they take tremendous still pictures, but because almost every one of them takes tremendous high-definition video as well. And sometimes they use those in real movies and TV shows. Absolutely. I think there was an episode of House done on a digital I SLR. I think there's been a few. Uh, a few different series and things have used things on that. Absolutely. You know, you're seeing that bifurcation in the marketplace where, you know, you can get an unbelievable product for $1,000 in the digital SLR marketplace that can get you tremendous picture, still pictures, great video, pretty easy to use, lots of lenses available, um, you know, just a great experience in those kind of products. And I think one of the things you see is that while a lot of consumers may say they don't necessarily need a basic point-and-shoot kind of compact digital camera anymore, what I think one of the growth reasons for in the higher-end camera market is that there are times when I don't want to use my cell phone. It's a very special occasion, graduation, a wedding, you know, a baby birth or some other kind of event where what I really want is to take, you know, pictures that are going to last a lifetime. And I don't really feel so comfortable that the pictures on my smartphone are those kind of pictures. And you do see a lot of people taking, buying those kind of cameras for precisely that reason. It's something they just take out 
for the special occasion, but every day it's a smartphone. I know in my case, I had something a little bit above a point-and-shoot camera, a Canon, really good camera that I got several years ago. Obviously, the megapixel resolution is, I think, 8 megapixels like the iPhone right now. And I haven't used it in several years. When I take a picture, the kind of point-and-shoot style, I just grab out my iPhone. There you go. I mean, some of the same kind of thing that we saw, you know, with the disposable cameras to some extent in the film day. Right. How things have changed and how things have merged over the various and sundry products. And we keep having to guess what startup company is going to come up with something even better that we don't know about. Because if we did, Stephen Baker and I would be multi-billionaires, not what we are, just working stiff. Stephen Baker, right. where do we find more of the stuff that you work on? Well, you can visit us at npd.com, and our uh, blog is npdgroupblog.com. And, you know, occasionally we have some interesting things to say there. More than occasionally, which is why Stephen Baker always comes back. Thanks for joining us, Stephen Baker, on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks a lot, Gene. Really appreciate it. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Gold isn't for you? Ted Anderson, president of Midas Resources, one of the world's premier gold and precious metal investing firms. I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed that the government is doing a great job, that the Fed will stop handing out trillions of dollars like bailout candy, that Social Security would be there for you. That's not what's happening. You might even pass on gold if the stimulus package wouldn't fuel inflation, or that the dollar wouldn't lose value, or that your retirement would be secure. If all looks rosy to you, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realists, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify with gold. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked 30%, while gold has risen 300%. Right now, savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. You should, too. Find out what they know. Call us, and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well, free. 800-686-2237. 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. 
HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. Don't throw away leftovers. Instead, throw all your leftovers, vegetable peels, eggshells, coffee grounds, pizza crusts, and more into the Bokashi. If you love to garden and compost but don't like the hassle of turning a compost bin or the smell, then check out the EM Bokashi Food Waste Recycling System from Terraganics. Finally, a way to recycle all your food and plant waste safely and effectively and stop using fertilizers. The EM Bokashi Food Waste Recycling System. Rather than decomposition, the Bokashi system uses fermentation to break down waste, so it takes less time to create nutrients dense humus for crops or gardens with no turning and no obnoxious odors. To learn more and order your Bokashi online, visit Terraganics.com and click on the orange button. That's Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, or call 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Recycle all your food wastes in about six weeks with the Bokashi Food Waste Recycling System from Terraganics.com. Terraganics, life's getting better. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. With Daniel Arendilker of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com, we've got so much to talk about, and part of it will start with Apple's financials, released on Tuesday of this week, where Apple had pretty good numbers except for the iPhone selling a mere 26 million, 28% increase. But Wall Street wanted so much more. Is Wall Street getting overconfident about Apple? Well, how it works is Apple gives its own guidance. And Apple always beats its own guidance. It's, it's pretty. It's kind of unanimously considered that Apple's guidance is conservative. So they make targets that they know they can reach. People who don't have Apple's information, analysts, independent analysts, try to, you know, make informed guesses about what the company's going to do, and they base it on on the guidance that Apple's given, but they try to get more accurate than Apple is. And so when when they say that Apple has missed missed something, what they're, they're really meaning is that analysts have missed where Apple's going to be. So if you look at Apple's performance based on what Apple said it's going to do, Apple is doing better than it said it was going to do for this quarter. Do you have the numbers in front of you? I don't. How much better did Apple do? Than its guidance? Yes. Hmm. I don't, I don't actually know what its guidance was, but it was, it was slightly better. They made like an extra billion dollars more than they provided guidance, I believe, but... Um, and analysts were kind of all over the map. I mean, there were some that were that were pretty close to actually what Apple delivered, and then there were some, particularly independent analysts, who are usually more bullish in terms of what Apple's going to do. And and in the past, they have consistently been correct because analysts that are associated with a you know a, a firm who do that for their that's their job have typically not seen that Apple was going to deliver the results that it did. And 
so so people that are watching just as they're usually referred to as independent or or sometimes I don't know if they're really called amateurs, but it's, it's like people who do it on kind of a more informal basis. Those people have in the past been consistently correct in being open to the fact that Apple could do more than what anyone thought they were going to do. And last year was the first quarter that the general consensus, because these numbers are all over the map, but there's kind of also this street consensus that it's kind of the middle of the road where, where everyone's sort of kind of the median value of what people are guessing. That was the first time that, that they said Apple had a rare miss, which I always think is kind of funny to say that, you know, they're missing. It's really the analysts that are missing because Apple is this, you know, corporation on the move. But, I mean, that's the way we refer to all companies. So they, basically here, if Apple says, I'm going to do this or we're going to do this, we're going to deliver these numbers, what we expect, this is our guidance, they exceed those numbers. They still don't look good because Wall Street said they should have exceeded them by a larger margin. Yes. So basically, Wall Street should know more than Apple. Well, the idea is companies don't have a, a specific rule as to what guidance they present. Guidance is supposed to be as accurate as, as possible. But even Apple, I mean, what you know, there's a lot of interesting things that come out in the conference call uh, that happens after they release earnings. And a lot of times they're explaining how it's not just there's, – there's one goal of – you're a company and you want to do this. You want to roll out the phone, your phone to China, or you want to expand into this country, or you want to sell this many units of a new product. Your ability to do that is constrained by a lot of things, including how good your product is, what competitors you have, how much demand there is. And then there's all a lot of things that are not under your control at all, like what the economy is doing. So, you know, if you look at, for example, 2008, when the economy was tanking, People were looking at Apple and saying, oh, Apple's going to do really badly because they're selling premium products that aren't the cheapest thing you can buy. Consumers are going to flock to the cheapest stuff possible. And they were wrong. Apple was one of the very few companies that was profitable through the entire recession. They were just making hard-to-imagine amounts of money. Even if things were going well, it would have been like, wow, Apple's doing really good. But it was not doing well. Everybody was losing money, except Apple was just like on this roller coaster. You know, they just went up, up and up. And now we're, we're still seeing effects. I mean, there's still, I mean, the economy isn't rebounded everywhere, particularly they mentioned in Europe. They're, they're seeing some effect, particularly in Western Europe. They're saying sales are better than in Eastern Europe, but there's more sales in Western Europe. So that's one issue. There's been news about China's economy having problems, but Apple said that's actually not affecting us. They mentioned Europe as being troublesome. Right. The European sales were largely flat. Yeah, they were up slightly. I mean, that, that's, that's the worst news for Apple is that in one of the, you know, economically most challenging regions, that their sales were only up a little bit. <laughs> I mean, that's globally, PC sales, the entire PC market is contracting. And smartphone sales, there's growth, but very few companies are making any money. You know, the, Apple's, the, the second company after Apple is Samsung, and they're making considerably less money. They're making a lot of phones, but, I mean, that doesn't really matter if you're making a lot of phones if you're not making as much money on each phone. But beyond that, all the major companies are not doing well. I can't remember exactly what LG reported, that they're kind of, like, doing okay, but everybody else is losing money. 
I mean, LG is not doing gangbusters, but if you look at all the other Android licensees, not doing well. Look at uh, Nokia and their partnership with Windows Mobile. I mean, just fantastically bad. You have to really jump through some hysterical hoops to try to suggest that that's good, their performance. So now, are we seeing here, Daniel, that a lot of people who might have purchased PCs are buying iPads instead because iPad sales really went up this past quarter? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of clearly the case. That's been happening for quite some time now, though. I mean, that's been happening for the last year or more. I mean, we started seeing that right away. And I think the first year of the iPad, it was pretty clear that there was a lot of people who would have otherwise bought a PC. I think initially it was, you know, people had this idea that uh, netbooks were going to come out, you know, these kind of like cheap netbooks, cheap laptop systems, that those were going to have a big impact on the um, PC market in general. And there was initially, like before the iPad came out, there were initially a lot of people buying these things, and I I think a lot of people weren't happy with them. Basically, I tried one. I recall a friend of a friend showing me one. I tried it for a few minutes. I said, you know, I'm going to be fair here because I can certainly use a standard PC notebook. Everything was shrunken down, really difficult to use the keyboard. Nothing worked the way you want. Performance wasn't what you wanted. And you could see the customers might buy them, but the word of mouth spreads. It's like a movie that does well the first week, but then it's a bomb because everybody knows the movie is bad, and now everybody who may potentially buy this netbook learns it's not very good. Sure, it's $300, but you're getting a tub of junk. There's no reason to have it. Everything about the PC experience is worse. Just the stuff that you're used to, that you're accustomed to, expect it to be a subpar experience. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine, where he's resumed a lot of blogging at AppleInsider.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. This is the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. 
After 21 years as a nutritional consultant, I have learned that the greatest roadblock to health is a compromised ability to detoxify. If your body fails to detoxify enough, you suffer from infections, diseases of all kinds, and die young. Detoxification involves a properly working liver and sufficient production of glutathione. Glutathione represents 60% of one of your liver detox systems. There are many products on the market that try to raise glutathione or detoxify the body. The most sophisticated ones cost $300 out the door and $1,200 or more over six months. We believe there is a quicker and more effective way to achieve detoxification. It is One World Way. One World Way is the most undamaged, unrefined, life-giving whey protein powder on the market we have found. Taking One World Way will feed your body the building blocks to rebuild, repair, and detoxify. To help you feel great again, call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. The man who predicted the fall of communism is now predicting the fall of capitalism. He's dined with the Rockefellers, hung out with the Clintons, banged heads with the Beltway, and inspired companies, movements, and empires that have brought forth revolutionary change. He sat shoulder to shoulder with figures like George Bush Sr., Steve Forbes, Margaret Thatcher, and Boris Yeltsin, to name but a few. And his volume of work set out his groundbreaking financial newsletter, Strategic Investment, was so far ahead of its time, it helped transform not just the fates and fortunes of thousands of investors, but also the fates and fortunes of entire nations for the first time in 17 years he's back once again with his first controversial video presentation go to fallofcapitalism.com to watch him reveal a landmark development which he believes will set off the most violent economic reversal in history one that carries the power to bring down the entire capitalist system go to fallofcapitalism.com to watch his controversial video before the powers that be wipe it from the internet again it's www.fallofcapitalism.com If you owe the IRS, you can't make the problem go away without professional help. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been solving tax debt problems for 30 years, and I can help you too. We can stabilize IRS collection action and get your tax debt reduced, sometimes completely eliminated. And if you received a 1099 from a bank because of mortgage or other debt forgiveness, the vast majority of the time, I can show you how to completely erase it so you pay no taxes on what the IRS will consider to be taxable income. Call us for a free consultation to discuss the many possibilities. Call 1-800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-N-O-T-A-X. Or go to my website at taxhelponline.com. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you. Call us today, 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live looking at the various markets, PC and otherwise. So we look at the iPhone sales at 26 million, not too shabby. Europe, you know, sales growth, not much. Some suggest that people are on the sidelines. A lot of people on the sidelines waiting for a rumored iPhone 5 that's supposed to come, what, September, October. Now, I just, before we talk to you, Daniel, talk to... Stephen Baker, an analyst with the NPD Group, and he said that phenomenon of holding off, waiting for the next model, 
is very limited, that most people really aren't that concerned? Well, it depends regionally. So, I mean, if you look at, if you look at Apple sales if it, since when the iPhone first came out, they are almost as cyclical as Mac OS X sales. When it first launches, there's this tremendous launch. There's this huge sales boom where everyone's waiting in line. And then in the next quarter, it's, you know, less than that. And then you get a couple more quarters away from that, and people have kind of forgotten about the product. That was when it first came out. Things started to change when Apple was bringing the phone to so many other carriers. So, for example, this year, with the iPhone 4S, it not only came out later in the year. It launched here in the winter quarter, almost. But when it, it didn't, even get to, it didn't even get to China until the first calendar quarter. So China is now as big of a market as the United States for cell phones. So you have a little bit of a delay happening. So it isn't quite as cyclical as it used to be. But there's still, I mean, people are still aware that, you know, there's another phone coming. And among Apple's competitors, you know, if you look at Android models, I can't even tell you. I mean, I know a little bit about stuff that's happening, but I would have to look it up to tell you the factors of like which phones are coming out and what, what's the, when the new ones are expected to happen. Because it's just like every few months there's like a new series of phones. And it's like, so you go into a store and you don't think about what's the new one coming. There's just a lot of different choices and there's, it, it's not really clear what the next phone is. Where when you walk into an Apple store, you know exactly this phone is the newest phone and it's been out since last fall. So, oh, there's probably a new one coming out in a few months. And a lot of people ask me, you know, people are always asking, it's like, when is the next phone coming out? Because I want a new phone and I want to make sure that I'm not buying one right before the next one comes out. So you're seeing a lot of people saying that, asking about the next iPhone. Yeah, there, there actually is. I mean, there's, there's a lot of concern and interest about it. However, at the same time, iPhones are a little bit different from computers and software and things that people break their phone and they lose it and there's a lot of things that happen to a phone and you need to get a new one. And so there are people that buy regardless of whatever model is happening. And right now Apple's selling three years of different phone models. I mean, they're still selling the iPhone 3GS in, in almost all their markets. They're still selling the iPhone 4 and they're now selling the iPhone 4S. So they've actually used that cyclicality to use the products that they've had that, you know, people stopped buying the iPhone 4 because the 4S was coming out. Well, there's still people buying the iPhone 4 today because it's a little bit cheaper. So what is the solution to having this lull or is it really a good thing? Because the analysts that are, you know, if you look at the analysts and what they're reporting and they're reporting, oh, it's a miss. And they're saying, oh, the stock is down 5%, you know, and after hours trading and various things are happening. What does that matter in the long run? Well, maybe we also have to say, if Apple misses its own guidance, then you have to be concerned. But if you're basing the miss on people who just took the figures out of their hats or made a guess, then how can you take that seriously? Why should you take it seriously? Well, I mean, the reason you're taking it seriously is because Apple's guidance and, for example, RIM's guidance or Nokia's guidance are not based on the same set of rules. It's not the same people that are coming up with guidance numbers. So they're really difficult to compare. And when they miss, it's like, is it the competency of the person in operations that's preparing this guidance information, or is it the performance of the company? And so when you go to an, to an, an analyst or an institutional analyst, they're supposed to be telling you, okay, here's what RIM's doing, here's what Nokia's doing, here's what Samsung's doing, here's what Apple's doing. 
and because they're doing all the information, they're you know getting information from those companies, but they're also getting their own independent stuff. Their guidance or their their outlook, their forecasts are supposed to be more believable across the board. And so what they're saying is, what this is what we thought Apple was going to do compared to what we thought Rim was going to do or Nokia or whatever. So I mean, the, the, there is value in saying. Apple did not meet what they thought they were going to do. Are these figures based on industry trends, or are they based on channel figures, stuff from the dealers, or are they just hoping they come up with a good guess using crystal balls? Well, I mean, there's a little bit of all of that. I mean, and part of what they're basing that on is any information they can glean from the company, and that's why in the question and answer they ask questions. They say, "Now you said." You know, in the future, you're going to be, you know, components are going to be costing, we think, this much. Why do you think that? Or what components are you talking about? Are you talking about chips? Are you talking about hard drives or whatever? So they ask for all this color, these kind of specific questions about trying to get Apple to say. And that's a lot of times where we get news because they're asking something and Apple says, oh, this happened. So, for example, um, one of the stories I wrote up was talking about Apple TV. Apple didn't make any comment of the product in its prepared statements. But somebody asked, and so Tim Cook was saying, yes, we've sold this many Apple TVs. This is what we think about it. We still view it as a hobby, but we're selling more Apple TVs. He didn't say it, but Apple's now selling more Apple TV units per quarter than Microsoft is selling the Xbox. Oh, how many Xboxes does Microsoft sell? In the last quarter, I think it was just over a million. It was like 1.1 million, and Apple sold 1.3 million Apple TV devices. I mean, they're not the same product, obviously, but... It gives you some idea of how much Apple is selling, and they, they still view it as a, as a hobby. And it's not a hobby they spent you know, $8 billion establishing. No, I don't even think they spent a billion on it. I don't know, but it's nothing like with Microsoft, where Microsoft spent huge amounts of money for the Xbox, which is now making a profit, but it doesn't compensate. And if you look at, for example, I mean, it, it's probably more accurate or useful to compare it to Google TV, which is, you know, came out as it was last year. And Google made a big splash about how they were going to just destroy Apple TV, essentially. There was going to be this openness, and they were going to bring Android, and everything was just going to be, like, wide open, and we're going to be able to use web on our TV, and, you know, completely fail as a product. That was all the Google TV partners together in the first year of sales was estimated to be half a million to maybe a million units shipped. Now they've got something called the Nexus Q. For $299, its only selling point is that it's built in the USA. But one person we had on the show said Q stands for quandary. What the heck is it good for? Yeah, which is the same thing that Google TV. That's one of the problems facing it. As people looked at it, like, why would they use this? It's not really clear. And what's interesting with Apple TV, it's kind of limited in what it can possibly do. Just out of the box. When you plug it in, it's like, what does this do? It's like, well, you can watch your iTunes stuff and you can rent movies. It's like, okay, well, that's sort of valuable. It's like only 99 bucks. But if you look over the last year, Apple has introduced AirPlay, and they keep putting it in new stuff. So in the new Mountain Lion, you now have the ability, if you have a, a late-model MacBook Air, you can mirror what's on the screen to the Apple TV. Or from pretty much any Mac, you can now output your audio. So you can- well, the mirroring, I think, is based on 2011. Yeah. That's part of the thing that the 2011 Macs, iMacs even, have the graphics hardware that's powerful enough to do this hardware encoding. Right, right. It's, it's any of the last year and a half of Macs. It's not just the MacBook Air. Okay. 
But the point being here, that adds another layer of features you could do with the Apple TV. And certainly you could do that already with an iPhone. You can do that already with an iPad. And it's a very obvious feature. It's something that you can have a, a, a TV clip where you show a device, you touch a button on the device, and your image is now on your TV. That's something that a person's grandmother can see and be like, oh, that's something I want to be able to do. Now, if you try to do, a, you know, if you look at ads for, for Google TV, they show people like doing kind of computer interaction with a television and, you know, maybe bringing up a web page. It's like, why would I want a web page across the room? We had web TV 10 years ago and it failed. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack Attack. of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack Attack. of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack Attack of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Every day, nearly 3,000 families enter into foreclosure and face losing their home. If you're currently behind on your mortgage, you can still avoid foreclosure. You can save your home, but you need to act now. We're Allied State Foreclosure Services. We're experts in saving homes from foreclosure. With just one phone call to us, you can stop the foreclosure process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, and save your home. Call now. The call is free with no obligation. 1-800-597-8843. Call us if you've been threatened with foreclosure, denied loan modification, or missed a payment on your mortgage. If you've been a victim of a predatory loan or are upside down on your mortgage, even if you've lost your job and you're worried about losing your home, don't wait. Call us now and let us help you save your home. You've worked hard to build a life with your family. Let us help you keep your home. Call now before it's too late. 1-800-597-8843. 1-800-597-8843. 1-800-597-8843. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP 
is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. We all know there are secrets behind closed doors in every relationship, and one of the biggest is that men are losing libido or sexual desire, especially if you're a man over 40. The problem could be declining testosterone levels. Remember, it's testosterone that makes a man a man in every way. That's why we created TGen. TGen is an all-natural formula with ingredients proven to boost your own testosterone. Optimum testosterone levels mean better mood, energy, and of course, better sex life. Here's Gina from California. My husband tried one month of TGen, and we both noticed his desire increased right away. He felt the difference in his energy level. I certainly liked the other effects it had on him. Great product. And now for the first time, you can try TGen absolutely free for 30 days. Just pay shipping today and see the incredible results for yourself. Call 800-822-5941. 800-822-5941. TGen works, or you simply don't pay. For your 30-day free trial, call 800-822-5941. 800-822-5941. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. With Daniel, Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine, where he's resumed blogging. He's had three entries so far this week, more by the time you hear the show. And AppleInsider.com, we're talking about Apple's sales, Apple's market, Apple TV. And we're seeing here, for example, that Google TV is trying to recreate Web TV. And Web TV was, what, 10 years ago, will reproduce the Internet on your TV set, and very few people bought it. Well, web TV was actually something different, yeah. But it was it was trying to basically sort of bring internet features to the television. Where I mean, what Google's trying to do is was really more about we want to inject advertising into people's TV watching, whether it's cable or whatever they're doing. We can't have fewer ads. We have to have more ads decreed by Google. Well, it's not that Google wanted to do more ads. Is that they wanted to do the same thing what they do for the web, which is accumulate content and make it searchable and and useful in different ways and then monetize that with placing paid messages in there or paid search results is Google's main deal. On on TV, it's a much different situation because TV already has its content monetized. When you watch a TV show, you're either having paid for it through something like HBO or you're watching commercials. So there's not really room for Google to add a layer of functionality like programming menus or you know interactive ability to watch content without tromping all over the rights that are already there. And the rights for TV are already very well entrenched. You have cable providers that are bringing that last mile of content to your house. You have the people that paid for the content to be developed in the studio. So all that's already been paid for. And Google's kind of like trying to come in and put its layer of money on top of it, it doesn't work. It's like, you know, walking into a building that's already built and saying, you know, we're going to put up ads and we're going to make money on, on your lobby. 
because we see people walking through here and the company be like, what are you talking about? Get out of here. <laughs> this is, if we're going to put up ads, we're going to do it ourselves. We're not going to have you walk in here monetizing our building. So, I mean, the, the studios were totally against it. And what Apple's doing is saying, okay, you're already, you're already paying for content and you're already selling that content through television. We're not trying to replace that. We're not trying to stomp all over broadcast or cable or whatever television. We're saying you can sell the, the shows that you already have, that, that you already own, separately from television. And you can sell it to iTunes people and the, the customers will be able to watch it on this, they'll be able to watch it on their devices, in addition to being able to watch it on, on TV. You're giving them another device, another profit source. Yeah, it's, it's a different line of business. And that's, for example, why you can't always, the rights for certain shows, like if you bring up HBO app, you can't put it on your TV because HBO doesn't want that on the TV. They want you to watch HBO on the TV. So there are some boundaries there that Apple's like walking around, but Apple like worked with people to figure out how can we do this that's going to be more for you instead of less for you. And Google just walked in like they have done in other areas and just was like, we're going to do this. Boom. Like they did with books. We're just going to take all the world's books and take their content, put them up, and then monetize it. And everyone that wrote the books was saying, hey, wait a minute. What are you talking about? We already have an economy that, that pays for the content of books. You can't just take other people's stuff and work out a deal afterward. So, I mean, Google has a lot of ideas about it. I mean, there's a lot of really brilliant people that work for Google. But there's also this kind of childish element that we can just do whatever we want and it's going to work out. And if you look at this year and last year and the year before, they just keep hauling out stuff that somebody with a basic understanding of how the world works would say, whoa, that's not going to work. It makes my job easy to criticize it, though, because <laughs> it's, it's like criticizing Microsoft. <laughs> it's like, wow, it's like a barrel of fish. You just punch your fist in it and come out with two of them. I'm going to read something interesting to you. Gizmodo did a review of Mountain Lion, which shipped on Wednesday. And I will read a little part of it because I think you want to talk about this for about two hours or so. Here we go. The guy's name is Jesus Diaz from Gizmodo, which is part of what? Boker. And they are the people who got that iPhone 4 prototype and got into all trouble with Apple. Okay, they have a max to grind. If Apple doesn't want Microsoft to steal their innovation crown with Windows 8 Metro, they urgently need a new vision that breaks with this unholy mix of obsolete 1980s user interface heritage and iOS full-screen skumorphism. Now, that's a strange word, skumorphism, defined as a derivative object that retains ornamental design cues in a structure that was necessary in the original. Then he goes on saying, Apple has run out of ideas. I'm just quoting parts of it here. Of worse, that Apple is too afraid to implement new concepts, fearing it will kill the company's golden goose. So he's basically saying here that it's okay for Microsoft to develop Metro, which is totally unintuitive, but Apple wants to keep conventions that people are used to and have proven successful in OS interventions and innovations and OS interfaces. That's wrong. I haven't read the whole thing, but just from what you said, I mean, this is not some original observation that he's made. This is something that a lot of people have been barking about. I, I don't understand why it's such a big deal for Notepad to look like a Notepad, or you know, the Notes app, or whatever. Um, it's it's a matter of personal preference. I mean, some people really don't like seeing like the calendar. It looks like you kind of ripped off the page. You know, it's sort of this kind of hyper realism, or 
Game Center has like the the leather look to it with the green felt or or whatever. Some people really don't like that. To me, it's like some of it I like, some of it I don't like so much. I, it it doesn't. I don't get really upset about that word that refers to having things look like real devices. Um, in some cases, it's a good idea. In some cases, it seems like it's a bad idea. When QuickTime first came out in the late '90s, with the new like everything was sort of a drawer, and a, you, know, you click this, and it came open, and some of it was just difficult because it was like it's it's not really easy to use a real slider that behaves like a real physical slider would, as opposed to something that works well on a computer screen. And when you're going between the conventional, you know, macOS desktop and a touch device, with a touch device it's different still because there's things you can do with your finger that are intuitive and work really well that you can't really do with a mouse and vice versa. So they're picking things that kind of work well on both. Or in some cases, the Mac has one way and the iOS is another way of doing it. Now, part of it also is to have the interfaces look similar. So you open the app and it, oh, I know what that is. Yeah. So I, when people use that word and they're criticizing, it just immediately think, makes me think, here's somebody who doesn't really have anything original to say. And the best they can do is to repeat what they think other smart people are saying. That's the impression I get. That's not fun. They just want to sound like they know what they're doing and Apple's a bunch of idiots. It's just kind of populist argument. They're just saying things that they think other people will be like, yeah, that's right. I've heard that before. I agree with that. Where if there's problems with, with mountain lion, (laughs) It's it's not that the user interface has realism in it. Because, I mean, if you look at Metro, and I haven't used Metro a lot, I just have seen it from enough to think, why would I want to use that? It's clearly wrong. It's just, it just doesn't work. It's, it's kind of like a, it's a Fisher-Price, it looks like a Flash web sort of mid-80s simplistic, kind of super simple interface that isn't intuitive. It's just simple. It's just it's, it's a, a very simple basic kind of artwork. And I guess in some ways we might think of it as the modern day equivalent of Bob, which was Microsoft's attempt to make Windows warm and fuzzy in the nineties and it went nowhere. But Bob was kind of a video game layer. I mean it was like, you know, the old video games where you walked into a room and it was like it was a cartoonish room, and you could do this, and you could touch this, then you could touch this, and go over here. And that's what they're trying to be. Where, where I've I've referred to Metro as being like this Bob layer because it's it's just kind of like this layer of interface on top of the stuff that's already there, and not a real rethinking of an interface. But in reality, it's, it's just it's very much like a website because on the web there are certain constraints of what you can do. And if you use just very simple web technologies, you can build something that looks just really simple and basic and and uh, constrained. So basically, Microsoft wants you to look at the personal computer as a simple web-based interface. Uh, I don't know if I'd say that. I'd say Microsoft wants to perpetuate Windows 7. And the way they thought they could take advantage of the hype around the iPad is to put this layer of touch graphics that they've already developed unsuccessfully for the Zune and unsuccessfully for Windows Phone 7. And put that on a computer desktop, which may also be unsuccessful. 
Here's something that's successful, a way to reach us on Twitter. We are Tech Night How. That's the way you reach us on Twitter. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the People grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Pharmacist Ben Fuchs believes virtually all disease states can be backtracked to digestive problems. Deficiencies in stomach acid can affect all downstream systems. Taking digestive enzymes can be amazingly helpful for dealing with deficiencies in stomach acid. Enzymes require low pH for activation. You can also use aloe vera juice, by the way. Sugars in aloe vera have a coating effect on the digestive system. Longevity has a cool product called Noni Plus, which is made from aloe and the noni fruit. It's tasty. It can also function to support digestive acidification, acidification of the stomach, and activation of digestive enzymes. Take pharmacist Ben's advice and support your digestive system by ordering Noni Plus from Longevity. Call 866-735-2470. That's 866-735-2470 or on the web at brightsideben.com. That's brightsideben.com. Order today. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. And we're focusing now on that very peculiar review, which is basically saying that it's all right to make something different, however good or bad it is, but because Apple uses conventions perfected in the 1980s for point and click that have worked perfectly, that's wrong and Apple needs to change. I was suggesting in a blog I wrote that, well, they might as well say that with new cars, throw away the steering wheel and the gas pedal and the accelerator pedal and use something else. Throw it away. We need something new. Yeah, I think you're just trying to say something interesting. I mean, he, I don't want to disparage somebody, but he's not in the upper echelon of people who come up with interesting things to say about technology. Well, I was looking at reviews here, and magazines that don't normally give Apple a shake gave pretty good reviews to Mountain Lion. You know, there are a few criticisms here and there, but the overall tenor of what I'm reading, wherever you see, is that 
bugs are few and far between. I think there was a report in one magazine that the tweets aren't all being mentioned or delivered in Notification Manager. I don't know the settings to see what's going on there. But for the most part, things work pretty well. And maybe this may have fewer early release bugs in other versions. Part of that is because it feels like Mountain Lion is, is one of those... It's, it's almost like Apple went to Intel's TikTok sort of deployment strategy where you make a big change and then you flesh that out. And then you come back and you make a big change and then in your second release you flesh that one out. So they kind of did that with Leopard and Snow Leopard. Where Snow Leopard wasn't a tremendous change, there were like new features and it was kind of filling in the details. And then with Lion, there was like, we're introducing a whole bunch of new ways of doing things. And then with Mountain Lion, they're saying, here's even more color. So it's kind of more of a, a shorter release cycle. So instead of, we're going to totally rechange how an architecture underneath the system works and it's going to have far-reaching implications. And Apple's done all the really huge work, I think, that they wanted to do to get here. And so now they're making changes to very more specific things. For example, Lion, we had the first rollout of iCloud. And now we're getting a whole bunch of sort of new finesse with iCloud that deals with documents and syncing data in the background. And it's just this con- more of a constant progression of new features and changes that isn't, we're not totally gutting the basement and rebuilding our foundation. We're just decorating the rooms again. And in some cases we're like, you know, putting in a security system or something like that. But it's, it's on the level of management, manageable changes. And so there's not as much of a situation of a new operating system and there's going to be huge bugs that weren't anticipated. I think it's actually better for Apple to release it every year in that kind of model because there's less of a transition. So basically they can also take features and add features that are basically changes or fixes to stuff that didn't work out the first time, like, for example, autosave. Autosave lacked save as and a few other things. And even though a lot of application developers haven't used autosave, they made it better, more workable, and that adds 10 features just doing that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is just like an incremental, we're adding some features and then we're, we're making those features better. We're not just adding a bunch of, I remember back in like, I don't know, my, my sense of the 90s is that people were just dumping featureism on top of their products. I mean, Office is this great example of you just get all these bullet point features and it's like, is something we really want to be able to do? Do I, do I need to have a, a word processor that can, you know, edit HTML, that kind of thing? And when you have too many features on a product, it's, it's, if people are only, if, mo, if the majority of people are only using the first 25% of that, it just becomes bloatware. So Apple's really focusing on making sure that the features that it adds are useful. And once again, okay. Apple was not trying to destroy usability. I mean, people complained about the part-time scroll bars that you have to mouse over to see. And you can turn that off in system preferences under general. If you don't like reverse scrolling, scrolling in the direction, the natural direction, like the iPhone, you turn off that option. Those are the two biggest interface things. I think having calendars look different as opposed to iCal or messages 
That's just minor theme differences that really don't make a difference. The things that reflect the core usability, I always present this model, that somebody trained in the Mac OS 1984 gets in the time machine, does warp drive, whatever, around the sun, lands in 2012, takes a MacBook Air, and looks at the Mac, and yeah, it's colorful and three-dimensional and shaded icons and all that. It's got the menu bar, and you quit applications, and you open them, and a lot of things are pretty much the same. You're not giving up what you knew to replace the new stuff. Well, there's certainly not throwing it away. You know, that, that would be a pretty big jump to go from 1984 to today, because remember 1984, we could only run one application at a time. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. It, Apple has always been about trying to add usability without making it too complex to figure out. And I think a good example of that is how you handle mail and contacts and calendar and notes and reminders and all those things. Under Windows, I mean, Apple or Microsoft's product is Outlook, and it's just a window stuffed with everything. And I have trained people on how to use Outlook. And in, one, in, in some cases, it's, it's nice to have everything in one window. I guess some people like that. But it's just a lot of complexity. And there's a lot of constraints of why, are, why is this functionality and this functionality in the same place? And how do I get from this to that? How do I take a note and turn it into an email or something like that? Whereas what Apple's doing is they're pulling everything off into a separate app. And in, in Mountain Lion, it's even more so. So instead of having iCal with you know, an, an event system built into it, you now have calendar and reminders. And that's useful because with reminders, you can have reminders that are not based on calendar dates. They're, they could be based on location. And same thing with notes. You know, you pull notes out of email, and now notes can do things and be useful in ways that it's wasn't as much as when it was kind of hidden away as a feature somewhere in the sidebar of mail. So there's a lot of simplification going on to where now mail is like really focused on being mail. And some people decry that and say, "Oh, that's you know they're watering down the Mac, making it more like iOS, like the iPad." But the reason why the iPad is so popular is because that single tasking, kind of focusing on this, but making it easy to go to something else as well, allows you to not only intuitive, intuitively jump into a, how to do something without having to get trained on how to do it, but also reduces the complexity so that there's not a lot of distraction and whatever that you're having to deal with. And on Mac OS X, you do want to have the ability to look at th- more things at once. You can have all these, all these different windows open, but you can also put them in their own space. And they can all be like, they can all be full screen apps. So you have, you're using the, the increased horsepower and the increased graphics and whatever that you have, but you're still keeping things in kind of simple little silos where it's easy to manage. And I think that's a, a better direction. I think it's easier for people to figure out. Well, one of the comments on another reviewer of Mountain Lion, they really like Mountain Lion, and their comments about Windows 8, that it has a steep learning curve, which, of course, defeats the sense of having a simplified interface, but that once you learn it, it's really good. (laughs) And that sounds almost self-contradictory. Why do you have to 
learn all these crazy things. I've read one review of Windows 8 about the public beta where they listed all sorts of shortcuts and things and not a single one of them was obvious or labeled or something that you would know if you didn't have a cheat sheet. Maybe you have a cheat sheet that says do this, do that, and maybe you'll learn in five years you'll develop a memory of it. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Today, Peter Kranchnobel from Midas Resources. Today is July 27th, 2012. Gold open this morning at 1630. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for 167076, 83538 for a half ounce, and 41769 for a quarter ounce. 167076, 83538, and 41769. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explain this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237. Heart and Body Extract continues to receive positive testimonials from people who have experienced amazing results, like Reed. I just wanted to send you a quick but a very big thank you for heart and body extract. I've been on the formula for nearly a month now, and the improvement in the circulation of my legs has been simply amazing. Reed was facing a tough choice. I was facing surgery due to the severity of the 100% blocked arteries in both my legs. And my decision, waiting for surgery, to say no and try heart and body extract instead has been, thankfully, the right decision. And the result? I can now walk up steps without noticeable pain. Order Heart and Body Extract at 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. 
Now at DeseretFoodStore.com, sign up for a one-month supply of delicious food for only $99 with free shipping. That's right, only $99. Gourmet restaurant-style meals with a 30-year shelf life. Packaged in heavy-duty Mylar bags for easy transport and freshness. Meals like stroganoff, lasagna, teriyaki, five-bean chili, granola pancakes, and much more. Visit DeseretFoodStore.com, spelled D-E-S-E-R-E-T, FoodStore.com, or call 801-444-1444. Food for now, food for life. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. We continue to talk about Mountain Lion and Windows 8 in this final segment of our visit with Daniel Aaron Dilger. So the issue is, Daniel, about what Microsoft has done you think Metro should be simple and intuitive, but you could just click somewhere and suddenly find yourself buried in a traditional old-style Windows interface without any reason or way, unless you have a cheat sheet handy, to get back. Well, I actually think that uh, what Microsoft is doing is they're trying to be Apple too much. And if you look at Microsoft's customers, particularly the, you know, the more valuable customers, the enterprise and people who just buy Microsoft no matter what, those are the people that are really wanting a Windows 7 type operating system. They actually want Windows XP. You know, they want something just really, they actually want Windows 2000. I mean, that's what they really want. And Microsoft keeps trying to like force feed them Apple stuff. XP was like, here's, here's Windows, but it looks kind of like Mac OS 10. And, you know, that's what Vista was, and that's what all the stuff that they keep adding up. And it's like, we want to create this magical, wonderful desktop that's graphical and translucent. And, and that's not what you're good at, Microsoft. Microsoft, you're supposed to be, like, producing businessy stuff that just sort of utilitarian and functional. And Windows 8 represents a jump that makes Vista look like not even a step. It is going to totally piss off all of Microsoft's customers. And it was my understanding that they weren't even going to put Metro on corporate desktops. I mean, it was like not even the push. Apparently they are. I, I don't get that, how that makes any sense whatsoever. I mean, they're really trying to push the surface thing and, you know, try to create some market underneath the idea of a Microsoft tablet. But I think it's just a really bad strategy for getting there. I'm trying to think, you know, what, what they should be doing apart from, you know, you could say that if they just do the dinosaur thing that I'm telling them to do, that, that they would eventually go out of business doing that. But um, this you know, bold leap of pushing ahead the Zune Windows Phone 7 interface that has not gained a lick of traction and just saddling their primary products with this new layer of interface that no one has asked for sounds disastrous to me. I mean, yeah, we have to look at Microsoft. A lot of new things aren't working. Look at search. So here's a search situation. 
Bing search is up at the expense of Yahoo, which is powered by Bing search. So it's basically six of one, half a dozen of the other. Google search is up slightly over the competition. And now Microsoft took an over $6 billion write down because the online advertising company they bought a few years ago for twice what Google paid for double click isn't doing so well. So they're not seeing the love here from the public, are they? Well, it seems like across the board, I mean, like all the things you're talking about are examples of why Steve Malvern shouldn't be running Microsoft. And at this point, it's not clear what, what is holding together Microsoft as a company. You know, there's all this anticipation 10 years ago that, you know, the DOJ was going to break Microsoft up into these different companies. I think at this point, Microsoft should break itself up. You know, they should try to spin off search into something that can sustain itself. They should separate Windows from Office so that Office can deliver iOS apps without being ashamed and actually sell to the people who are buying stuff today if they want to remain relevant and not be replaced. And there should be something, I mean, there should be like some stogie old company producing the kind of Windows that businesses want to use and not trying to be this sort of phony Apple. But as, as a whole, I don't understand how those things connect together. And, you know, yeah, they also spent billions of dollars on Skype. Why did they buy Skype? They couldn't, they couldn't implement something like that internally. Apple came out with its own FaceTime within like a year or two of development. I mean, it's not that hard to do. You don't have to buy Skype. It's just everything they do is just what do you, what, how does that make any sense? It doesn't make any sense. So I, I don't know. I can't, I don't see like a rosy alternative set of behaviors that we're going to save Microsoft, but it is, it is really fascinating. I was thinking about it, how, you know, Microsoft ruled through the nineties in kind of the same way that Apple sort of ruled through the eighties and in terms of like kind of ruling the, the most interesting tech company. And then almost immediately just crashed in the next decade. So it'll be interesting to see who else follows that pattern. Now, looking at Apple and perceptions, whatever reason caused the fewer than anticipated iPhone sales the last quarter, is Apple also sometimes a victim of its own success that people have grown to expect so much from them that they're willing to wait and jump to the next great thing? Well, I mean, like you're saying, the worst problem you can think of for Apple and their results for this quarter is that it appears people are waiting for the next iPhone. So Apple's competing against itself. Which isn't so bad. It's like well, people don't buy a Mac because they buy an iPad. Or, or even better, you know, people aren't buying a Mac because the new Macs aren't out yet. And then the next quarter, there's going to be these new Retina Display Macs that are going to be more people are being more people are going to be buying them. So that's a very different situation from Microsoft, who is facing an end to growth in the PCs. In part because the PC market is maturing, but it, in also in significant part because people are buying tablets and they're not tablets but iPads. That's a much bigger problem because you're not going to you're not going to sell those missing PCs next quarter, they're gone. They're not coming back. That's a very different situation from Apple's saying, oh, they didn't sell as many iPhones as they thought they were going to do. 
but you know, wait for another six months and they're going to be selling half the iPhones in America. They already are, I guess, but or half the smartphones. That's a very different kind of scenario of problems to deal with. So, I mean, Apple's problems, Apple's Apple's worst case scenario is that people are putting off sales into the future. And they're almost selling as many things as they can. They just they just brought their channel inventory up. It's not like they had a huge channel inventory of iPhone 4s that they couldn't ship. They had a, they had a pretty good across the board their inventory was if anything a little bit low. Everything else was in the 4 or 6 weeks that they were referring to. So Apple is not having trouble making the kind of products that its customers want or inciting demand or they're not really having trouble doing anything. Whereas everyone else in the industry, I mean, if you look at Microsoft, you look at Nokia and RIM, and you look at all the Android licensees, there's nobody else that's really challenging Apple. I'll tell you what, we got to challenge you on this. Where do we find more of your stuff? I started writing some new articles at RefleyDrafted.com, and then I also write for Apple Insider. And AppleInsider.com does comprehensive reviews and news about the app universe, about the Mac universe, the Apple universe, and, yeah, the latest Mac rumors and stuff like that, too. Daniel Aaron Dilger, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Yeah, thanks for having me, Gene. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Let's keep preparedness simple. Do you need stuff for disasters? Of course you do. For over 15 years, DisasterStuff.com has, well, stuff for disasters. See? Easy to remember. DisasterStuff.com. Want free shipping on a new Berkey water filter? DisasterStuff.com is the official Berkey in-stock shipping center. Lots of folks want an EMP Faraday bag to protect sensitive electronics during a solar or nuclear event. Now for a limited time, all survival gear purchases 
over $75 include a free 8x8-inch EMP Faraday bag. Just enter promo code EMPBAG when you check out at DisasterStuff.com. We're also a Country Living Grain Mill authorized dealer. Plus, we offer freeze-dried foods by Alpine Air and Wise Foods. We also carry emergency kits, survival seeds, and much more. Preparedness should be simple, and it is. Just remember, DisasterStuff.com. Freedom through self-reliance and personal responsibility. Would it save you time to get the best quality water filters and the best quality storable foods from one company? You bet it would, and now you can at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Big Berkey water filter products and great-tasting, long-lasting, storable, wise foods are both now available on one website, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Wise foods, ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches and come with a 25-year shelf life. Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. Combine Berkey water filters with wise foods for an unbeatable preparedness combination. Get free shipping on every order over $50. And GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit Big B-E-R-K-E-Y waterfilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Or go to BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. On this portion of the Tech Night Owl live, we'll be talking to Nelson Hudis, who represents a company called nettalk.com, and we'll be talking about a new phone company in a box. And by the way, this portion of the show is brought to you by Friendly Integration. They're the makers of the Eyeballs line of unique iPad cases and accessories. You know, Eyeballs provides ultimate drop protection for parents with young children, educators, and clumsy adults alike like me. It's for your iPad. Learn more at www.eyeballs.info. That's eyeballs with a Z. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL to receive a 20% discount on one of the Eyeballs products. Now, you have kids at home, Nelson? Yeah, I have two kids, two boys. This is a product for you. If they have an iPad, they're in danger of (laughs) being a little bit wild. This helps. Now, I just learned about the NetTalk Duo Wi-Fi just a few days ago. And I got the box here, and we're going to set it up in the next few days to try it out. Tell us, this is like a phone company in a box, isn't it? 
That's absolutely correct. I should if a phone company that, in a box, you can fire your phone company and do away with the monthly bills and uh, hook up our device and uh, pay one fee per year when you buy it, which includes the first year of service, and then renew it for a one-year fee, which is much lower. The the uh, price is sixty four ninety five for the first year, and um, the renewal is $30 for the second year. And I gather here the rate also depends on whether you want options. So you can get an international add-on. If you're like me, my son lives and works in Madrid, Spain. I want a Spain calling plan. So you can get as low as $10 a month you get an international add-on. Yes, you can get an international add-on. Absolutely. There's uh, there's actually there's North American add-on, which is uh, like 585 a month which is, or $70 a year, and an international add-on which is as low as $10 a month or $120 plus taxes for a year. Now, like with any other phone company, you can transfer your number. That is correct. You can, you can, you can uh, port your number into the device. You can go on our website, and you can plug in your area code and first three digits, and uh, it'll tell you whether or not your number is uh, uh, portable. And if you get a congratulations uh, message coming from the website, um, uh, you can you can uh, keep your number and port it into the device. Now, this is a question I'm going to ask because I'm sitting here, and I've got one of these boxes, and I'm just opening it. This is real, by the way. As real as you can get, I have the product here. And when you open the box, very simple box, you've got like a little card, a little setup card. Then you've got the actual device itself, which is very, very small. You know, this is the NetTalk it- Duo Wi-Fi. And this is the thing right here, and just a tiny thing with a single phone line attached to it. And it has a little tiny connection, a USB connection if you want to use USB. So is that an option, too, if you don't want to use Ethernet? Yeah, there's three, there's three ways to, to, to hook it up. You can use it, uh, you can uh, plug it into your computer and use it that way. But if you do that, then you're reliant on your computer to uh, receive calls. So that's kind of a little bit of a nuisance. So uh, if you don't want to do that, you can plug it into your router uh, and then plug a phone into it, and you can use it that way. Or if you don't want to use do it do that, uh, the very slick thing about it is you can actually configure it with our Duo Wi-Fi management tool on our website and uh, uh, store your computer name and your encryption information into the device, and then you can take it anywhere in the house. You can plug it into the kitchen, the living room, the family room, uh, wherever you want, into power, and then plug a phone into it, and you are on the Internet, on Wi-Fi, using your phone anywhere in the house. Let me ask you a question here. Basically, so, so, so basically, Gene, what we've done is cut away all the wires. Wow. Now, let me ask you a question here. You're in a hotel, and you've got some kind of Ethernet connection to the Internet. Can I use this box? Yes, you can. It's made for travel. You can take it with you and use it wherever you want. You can go on vacation, take it with you. If you're uh, overseas, the device thinks it's in, in the United States. You can call anywhere in the United States and Canada uh, for free. But if I call overseas, I'm paying for a call from North America to whatever country I'm in. That's right. And you would have to buy uh, uh, time on our website inside your account to do that. Or subscribe to one of you know subscribe to the international uh, calling plan. Okay, so this certainly makes the cost of making phone calls cheaper and cheaper. 
Now, before we started, well, we mentioned other gadgets out there that we all know about, like the Magic Jack, because that requires pretty much a computer connection. So if we're looking at this device compared to the opposition, what do you say in your favor? What do I say in our favor is no one else has this device. We are the only ones that have a Wi-Fi device in North America. It's that, it's that simple. You want to go Wi-Fi? Buy the NetTalk Duo Wi-Fi. Now, in terms of the call features, you offer all the normal stuff like caller ID, call waiting, conference calls, voicemail, etc. Yeah, we have uh, live tech support, call forwarding, fax friendly, uh, no long-term contracts, no monthly bills, visual voicemail, um, all the bells and whistles that you would get with your uh, traditional landline company, except you do not have a monthly bill anymore. The monthly bill is gone. You just pay a specific amount every year after you buy the device, and that's it for the year. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You, you pay the fee of, as I said at the beginning, you pay sixty four ninety five to buy it, which includes the first year service, and uh, $29.95 for a renewal. I also know something interesting in your literature here. Number one, you have enhanced 9-11, so I assume you store your home address. And so if somebody... That- attacks you or robs your home or something, you call 911, the police know where you are. That's right. There's an E911 feature, but bear in mind, if you if you take the device somewhere um, and you call 911 on it, um, they will go by whatever E911 address you filled out when you, when you activated the device. Okay. And if you move, I assume you can activate a different address. Yeah, you just change the address. So if you're going to go on holiday and take it with you and, you, you know, you want to call 911 and you're in the hotel, I would think it would be easier to just pick up the hotel phone and dial 911 because you'd have to physically go into your account and change the 911 address for wherever you are on holiday, and that's not really... Uh, no, it doesn't make uh, sense. It's you, where you're going to be yeah. for an extended period of time. You're also fax-friendly, yeah. and I want to emphasize that because a lot of these VoIP or Internet phone line services, you try to send a fax, and it slows down the fax machine. The fax machine stops working, but you're fax-friendly. It is fax-friendly, and in fact, I just had a reviewer um, actually in Canada, in Montreal, who did a review just recently, and he tried several test calls uh, on fax, and he was absolutely delighted with the results. So it does work on fax. Okay, so looking at this here, what if I want to have two lines on a phone? I buy two of these things? Yeah, I mean, like, I've got a four-line phone. Okay. And I've got two of them plugged into it right right now, and uh, one is one is uh, for use in Canada and one is for use in the United States. In fact, I'm actually talking to you on the device, on Wi-Fi. Okay, so let's just listen to this here. I would assume, based on what I'm listening to, this is a normal landline phone with normal That's quality. Right. The voice is clear and distinct. The connection is solid. And this is... Basically, the device. He's using the Wi-Fi Duo right there. I want to remind you, listeners, that we are brought to you this section of the show by Friendly Integration. This is why we tape, three, two, one. Brought to you by Friendly Integration. They're the makers of the Eyeballs line of unique iPad cases and accessories. And this provides drop protection. So if the kids get too wild with the new iPad you just bought for them at four ninety nine or thereabouts, 
This is where you have salvation. You learn more at www.eyeballs.info. That's eyeballs.info. That's balls with a Z. Use the promo code TechNightOwl to get that special 20% discount. We have Nelson Hudis joining us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack! Attack! of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. We all know there are secrets behind closed doors in every relationship, and one of the biggest is that men are losing libido, or sexual desire, especially if you're a man over 40. The problem could be declining testosterone levels. Remember, it's testosterone that makes a man a man in every way. That's why we created T-Gen. T-Gen is an all-natural formula with ingredients proven to boost your own testosterone. Optimum testosterone levels mean better mood, energy, and of course, better sex life. Here's Gina from California. My husband tried one month of T-Gen, and we both noticed his desire increased right away. He felt the difference in his energy level. I certainly liked the other effects it had on him. Great product. And now for the first time, you can try T-Gen absolutely free for 30 days. Just pay shipping today and see the incredible results for yourself. Call 800-822-5941. 800-822-5941. T-Gen works, or you simply don't pay. For your 30-day free trial, call 800-822-5941. 800-822-5941. heats up July with the hottest sale on the web. Going on now, save 28% on freeze-dried raspberries or save on our three-day light emergency kit, a $50 value. This month, just $30.99. Plus, all one-year supplies are on sale at BePrepared.com. This month, save over $350 on our traditional 2,000-year supply of food. Now, just $12.99.99. And get a hand grain mill free. Or choose our most popular year supply, the Premium 2000. It gives you 2,000 calories per day from a variety of nutritious meals for one whole year. Save over $7. $700 plus get a free Canadine Hiker water filter, a $75 value. More details and more hot July savings at BePrepared.com now through July 31st. Call 800-999-1863 to experience exceptional customer service. And BePrepared.com's low price guarantee. That's 800-999-1863. The choice is clear. Be unprepared or BePrepared.com. How's your pH today? Are you acidic? How alkaline is your blood and body? What is the pH of the water you drink? 
We are AlkaVision, and we have the answers. Drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining vibrant health and high energy because bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline, high-pH environment. If your drinking water isn't at a pH level of 8 or higher, boost it with AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Our unique formula will alkalize your water, ridding your body of harmful toxins and acid, and help regain energy and health. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise the pH of your body to optimal levels. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. Spelled A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 800-518-7615. 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. We have Nelson Hudis, and we're talking about a fascinating product from a company called NetTalk. And it is, I guess, a fairly new company, isn't it? Yeah, they've been around since uh, 2008. Okay, and of course we've had people, pretenders, come in to try to provide VoIP service, and they offer different options. But now we have an interesting, fascinating product called the NetTalk Duo Wi-Fi, which is 64.95, and you've got a couple of lesser models here, the Duo 2 and the Duo. What's the difference? The Duo does a, uh, a year as well, but it has to be connected either to your computer or your router, and it does not work on Wi-Fi. Okay, it's hardwired. It's hardwired. Yeah, it's hard. It's hardwired into the router, and the Duo Two is the same as the Duo, except it's uh, for someone who uh, may, maybe can't afford the uh, the yearly cost. It's for three months. And I'm looking here. Some big magazines have given you really great reviews, like. Laptop Magazine, and you know I do some work for them and their online editorial director, Avram Pilch, is a friend of ours and a frequent guest on the show. They gave you a really top flight review. Yeah, they gave us uh, they gave us an editor's choice, and along with a couple of other magazines like uh, PC World as well. So we're very very proud of it and very happy about that. So this is the critics, and the critics have no reason to favor something like this. So this is a really a fascinating product where it's going. For the future, looking at the existing product, what ideas do you have to expand your reach? How about video? Well, well, yeah, they're actually kind of going to be they're kind of coming out with uh, it's in beta net talk TV. But what I, what I wanted to say about the future is, uh, you know, it's my opinion that I would say the traditional landline companies are probably in big trouble in the future, uh, I would think, because this is the way the future is going. People don't want to pay monthly phone bills. They want to look for ways to cut costs, save money. Um, the product is good, and this is a great way to do that, you know, to cut costs. And this is one of the things here where phone service in general has changed so much from the old days. You know, the Absolutely. price. Absolutely. I mean, this product is proof of that. Certainly, everyone's looking for a different way of doing it. Traditionally, though, the more expensive companies, what they do is they give you some kind of phone adapter, but you pay a monthly bill. 
You pay a monthly right. bill just like you do with your regular phone company. So if you go to one of those other companies, and you've seen TV ads for some of them, and the yep. difference appears to be that instead of paying you know, $30, $40 a month for basic phone service, you pay 15 or 20 a month for basic phone mm-hmm. service. For the most part, they imitate what the existing companies provide. So they're following the same model. Right. And I say paying even 15 or 20 a month is still too much. Why do that when you can have this product and not do that at all? This way, you have the first year and you're buying the first year of service. And then, you know, if you don't want the second year, well, you can always renew later on or you're paid. Well, yeah. I mean, if if you're unhappy with the product, which I don't think anybody would be, but if you are, you can choose not to uh, renew and do whatever you like. But I would think that once you're a customer and you're using it and you're loving it uh, for the price and for the quality, um, I would think that anybody would renew. Everybody would renew. Okay, let's take a look at the services in more detail here. So we went through the basic services. Any other tricks of the trade that you offer here to customers that maybe they won't get with some of the other services? Well, there's a, I mean, in terms of hookup, there's a couple of different ways you can hook it up. Uh, with the Wi-Fi, you can you can hook it up uh, to a ba- you can hook it up to a base station with handsets, and so then plug it into the router and uh, or or go Wi-Fi, and then put the handsets all around the house so that you've got phones everywhere. Uh, the other thing that's interesting, kind of neat, you can do, and I'm not, I can't say that it would work everywhere, but if you do not have a traditional landline company in your house. Uh, which means that all your phone jacks in your house are dead. You could actually plug a phone splitter into the device. Yeah, tell and, uh, listeners about this. Let me just frame it for you because this is really fascinating. We were talking about this the other day. And that is you have dead phone jacks around the house. Just about every apartment or house has these phone jacks because they were designed with the purpose of having a traditional landline. But you don't have a traditional landline. You just fired them. They're gone. You got net talk working here. So that's right. You want to be able to use those jacks for something. So here's a magic trick, ladies and gentlemen. Write this down. Once you've configured it to work on Wi-Fi, you could plug a splitter into the device where the phone gets plugged in, and plug one end of the splitter into one dead jack, and then plug a phone into the other side of the splitter, and then. Um, I'm not saying all your jacks would work, but a lot of them would. You would re- reactivate your jacks being powered by the Duo Wi-Fi, and your phone, you could plug tr- phones into the jacks again. So this way... And they would ring. It's seamless, then. It's totally seamless. All it's right. totally seamless. It's a wonderful product. It's a great price. Uh, as you can tell by the quality we, we've been talking, and uh, you would not be able to tell that I'm on, not on a traditional landline. Um, so it's out there. You can get it. Um, and um, we, we'd, we'd love everyone to become a customer. Okay, another feature you mentioned here, free conference calling. How does that work? Uh, there's a phone. There's an 800 number you can uh, dial into and set up a conference room with your own conference bridge and uh, give out the code to everybody, and you could, you could, you could, you could do that. And um, uh, that, that, that's a free conference service that we offer. So this is a voice conference as uh-huh. part of the service. Right. 
And it's, it's kind of like what you... Uh, if you have a three or four line phone, if you have a three, you know, you could, uh, if you have two or three lines in your house, you could uh, also uh, hook them together. If you had a, let's say, a three or a four line phone, you could conference them all in, which I've done in the past. And this is kind of like, for example, some of these special services when we used to have to do interviews with public relations agencies, as a matter of fact. And they said, okay, you want to do a conference with the executives from the company, call this number, dial this code, and do it. This way you're providing that service. The other thing I was looking at here is your international calling plan and your international rates. And the reason I mention it is, as I said, I have a son who lives in Madrid, Spain. So what did I do? The first thing I did was look at Spain... 1.6 1.6 cents per minute. Okay? Yeah, pretty cheap, huh? No right. Better. Now, if it's a mobile line, it's like 10 to 10 and a third cents, depending on the mobile company they're using. And that's pretty cheap, too. So you, mm-hmm. I can call my son. And I have to think about this, how cheap rates have gotten for international calling, because I remember when... I'd call someone in the UK or elsewhere years ago, and we'd spend like dollars per minute, get an uncertain connection. We're lucky to get a connection. And now you just pick up the phone and you dial the country and you look at the rates. The rates are really, really cheap. And you can talk to somebody for a little while and not go completely broke or buy one of these special plans for $10 a month, and it's included. Right. You know, Jeannie, you know what they say. It's all about saving money. So this is a great way for families to save money. It's a great way for, say, students going back to university. You know, we've got back to school coming up in another month or so for them to put a phone line in their dorm room or their apartment. So so there's that, there's that as well for businesses. It, it's great for, you know, everybody out there that, that needs a, uh, a phone line and wants to save money. Where do they find more information? You can go to www. Nettalk.com, and you can also pick up the device at many retail outlets. The first one is including Target. You can get it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Best Buy, DJs, just about everywhere. Just about everywhere. And you can find us online just about everywhere. On Twitter, we're TechNightHow. Go to TechNightHow.com and check out any other radio show about UFOs, things that go bump in the night, and this weekend... Ouija boards, the Paracast at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. Nelson Hudis, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you. The Tech Night Out Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.